Our second scripture lesson today comes from the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to John. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to come here to keep drawing water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, 
for we have heard our, for ourselves, and we know that this truly is the Savior of the world. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving, present God, we ask that your spirit be palpable in this place. Open our hearts to receive your word and living water today. Amen. All right, I have a serious question to ask you. This is the kind of question that really digs deep into the type of person you are. It's the type of question that would give you insight into your core during your most difficult times and times of crisis. Here's my question. How much toilet paper do you have? <laughs> I think that there's two ends of this spectrum, right, of, of toilet paper stash in a house. On one end, you've got the person who went on Amazon two weeks ago and bought an entire year's supply of toilet paper. And the person I'm thinking about is not here, but you know who I'm talking about. On the other <laughs> end of this... <laughs> On the under, other end of that spectrum is the person who's already down to their last roll or two just because they need toilet paper, and they already know who they're going to ask. All right, so we've got those two ends of the spectrum, and somewhere on the rest of the spectrum is where we all fall. And I'm not trying to argue or suggest that one end is superior to the other, but when we think about that question, it does tell you a lot about a person and how they respond to stress. Are you the type of person that's pre been preparing for weeks, months, even years for an inevitable global crisis? Are you the type of person that's just living one day at a time, go with the flow? What about this weekend? Yesterday, maybe you waited in line at Costco. Maybe you brunched. Maybe you enjoyed the weather. And maybe you're hunkered down, happy and resting at home. But regardless of how we're coping, we know that anxieties are high. What our communities and the communities of the world are facing in the light of the COVID-19 pandemic is not something to take lightly. We have legitimate concerns. Do we have enough to keep ourselves and families healthy for the next few weeks? Legitimate concern. Do I have access to accurate and informative updates? Legitimate concern. Do I have a support system to help me in the coming weeks if I am isolated or fall ill? Legitimate concern. When these concerns are a reality and we're faced with new and ever-changing challenges, it's enough to make someone ask, is the Lord among us or not? Here's the thing. The state of this crisis is not a new phenomenon. Granted, the specifics surrounding this pandemic are new for us and this generation. But as far as humanity goes, We've done this before. I joke about the toilet paper, but our current state of worry over having enough and our anxiety over having what we need 
really resonated with me this week as I considered our passages for today. Just as we have both perceived and legitimate concerns, the Israelites face their own. In our Old Testament passage, we find the Israelites in the wilderness, and they have a legitimate concern. There's not enough water. That is a problem. Needless to say, the Israelites start to quarrel and argue about it, to fight amongst themselves, which, on one hand, is to be expected. I mean, I think about the fights and riots in our stores this weekend, and we don't even have an actual water shortage. But on the other hand, while their concern is legitimate, the Israelites' anger and anxieties are misplaced. They're arguing amongst themselves, and eventually they go to Moses with their complaints. The problem here is that they're forgetting that it's the Lord, the one true God of Israel. That Lord is the one that brought them out of Egypt and is the one that's actually leading them into the Promised Land. As one commentator puts it, when things get tough, memories shorten. The Israelites have forgotten. It's not Moses' leadership that's the problem. They've forgotten that God is the one that freed them from slavery. God is the one who led them to escape Pharaoh's army. God is the one that has promised to deliver them to the land of milk and honey. God is the one that provided manna and quail in the wilderness when the Israelites were hungry. But instead of trusting God to quench their thirst, they quarrel and complain to Moses, questioning his role as a leader. Why, Moses, did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Is the Lord among us or not? The problem we find here is that the Israelites have a habit of misplaced authority. They've abruptly gone from enslavement to freedom, and choosing whom you will follow, where and when and why, is not an easy burden of freedom. When they have what they need, it's easy to believe that the Lord is with them. In times of hunger, thirst, and affliction, it's easier to consider themselves abandoned or betrayed. Is the Lord among us or not? Moses, overwhelmed with the reality of their circumstances and the anxieties of his people, desperately cries out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Legitimate concern. It's not only our Old Testament passage that resonated with me when it comes to our own concerns. In our gospel reading, we're faced with issues of fatigue, isolation, and misunderstanding. When Jesus arrives at the well, he's tired. I know I'm tired. I know many of you are tired. We're exhausted from information overload, overwhelmed by outrage fatigue, and fed up with decision-making. Jesus was tired and needed a drink of water. Luckily, he encounters someone who can help him with that. The Samaritan woman at the well has the tools to quench Jesus' thirst, 
but she's facing her own problems. She's been alienated by her community. She likely has no support structure. She knows that hope is coming, but has questions about God and where God is. Jesus offers her living water, a gift from God, yes, but she gets hung up on the logistics, saying, you have no bucket, and that well is deep. Where do you get that living water? These are legitimate concerns. The Israelites are faced with thirst and anxiety and misplaced authority. Jesus is tired. The Samaritan woman feels alone, isolated, and doubtful. These concerns undeniably lead us to question, is the Lord among us at all? The Israelites and the Samaritan woman didn't get it right at first. But the lesson we have to learn from them is not because their actions fall into some category of sin that's related to their behavior or a set of rules that they didn't follow. Sin or any separation from God in these stories lies not in an absence of God, but rather in forgotten or unfound belief. In the case of the Israelites, they forgot that God had provided for them all along. In the case of the Samaritan woman, she struggles to see the life-giving gift that Jesus offers at the well. We all struggle with unbelief. We struggle when we put our trust in misplaced authority. We struggle when we are overwhelmed by anxieties and just plain tired. We struggle when we feel distant and when we ask, is the Lord among us or not? The good news is, God is patient. God walks with us through these moments and provides signs and evidence of God's presence and God's provision. We find it with the Israelites and the Samaritan woman. In both of these passages, God's sign and presence is communicated through the gift and metaphor of water. In the wilderness, God hears Moses' prayer. Did you hear it? You might have missed it, because it's steeped in desperation and frustration. Lord, what shall I do with these people? God hears Moses' prayer, and God once again provides Israel what they need. God tells Moses, go ahead of the people, take some elders with you, and take your staff. The one that struck the Nile, don't forget I was back with you then in Egypt too. I'll be standing there in the front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that people may drink. And Moses does that. And God's people had water to drink. In this story, God recognizes the Israelites' daily struggle for survival. God recognizes their concerns. And God continues to build their trust by providing them everything that they need. They have enough. God has given them the gift of water. Even in the wilderness, even in their quarreling, God is with them everywhere and always. We also find God's presence and provision at the well. 
At the well, Jesus offers the Samaritan woman the gift of living water before she understands who he is and what that even means. Jesus initiates the conversation. A conversation that would never happen under any circumstances of the time, due to her gender, ethnicity, and past. But Jesus has a distinct fondness for overstepping boundaries, especially when it comes to talking about what truly matters and what might save our life. Jesus came to the well for a drink of water, but what he offers the woman quenches a deeper thirst. Jesus says, this water from the well, it's just water. Everyone who drinks this will be thirsty again. That's how it goes. But those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty. The water I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And this woman, who's been isolated, judged, and ostracized, desperately wants this living water that Jesus is offering. Yet she struggles to understand. She doesn't quite get the metaphor. She also has questions about a century-old debate between the Samaritans and Jews about where the proper place to worship God is. And Jesus is patient. First, he reveals himself as a prophet by sharing what he knows about her and her present situation. He enters into a theological discussion with her. He explains that true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth, which is not confined, confined to a specific time or place. And finally, Jesus simply proclaims that he is the Messiah. The woman is so overcome by this message that she leaves her water jar behind. She came to the well for a basic need, and in the end, Christ gave her everything that she needs. Acceptance, salvation, and life. She leaves her water jar behind because her thirst is gone. But our story doesn't stop here. The woman goes back to her city and tells the people about her miraculous conversation. We're told that many of them believe in Jesus simply from her testimony. But some wanted to know more. So they went to Jesus and they invited him to stay with them. And Jesus, being the guy that he was, he did. He stayed with them for two days and many more believed in him because of this. They took the time to abide with Jesus. And because of that, they came to realize that he was truly the savior of the world. When we wonder if God is among us, God offers us signs of God's presence and God's provision. We see it in the life-giving water pouring from the rock at Horeb. We find it at the well, in the living water that Christ freely gives without judgment. God continually assures us that God is with us everywhere and always. And that is good news. And we know that we certainly need these reassurances, especially at times such as these. These reassurances are freely given, but why do they seem so unattainable at times? Is there anything we can do? How can we accept and live into God's reassurance? Well, in the wilderness, Moses prayed. And then he did something else. 
that sometimes we forget to do when we pray, he listened. And God guided him. When anxieties are high and we are overwhelmed, slowing down can be one of the hardest things to do. But maybe if we can make some time for prayer and prayerful listening, we may be able to tap into our own living water and find new reassurance of God's presence and provision in our own circumstances. I think our gospel reading also gives us an action item. I love an action item. The people in the Samaritan city took the time to abide with Jesus, to get to know and listen to his words and message. As I mentioned before, with our current circumstances, we are, we may, these circumstances may be new for us, but humanity has done times of crises before. And God's people have been wrestling with our issues for millennia. The scriptures themselves are full of people just trying to make sense of the mess that they're in and trying to find God in the mix. And time and time again, God shows up, offering us life and hope in the midst of our darkness. In the coming weeks, if we have a little extra time on our hands, I hope that we can all abide with God's love and God's word a little more than usual. I hope that we can carve out some intentional time for gratitude and consider the ways that we've already seen God show up. And I hope that we can rest knowing that God is with us everywhere and always. The next few weeks and possibly months are going to look different for all of us, but that's okay. We're in this together. When we wonder if God is among us, God offers us signs and evidence of God's presence and provision. We've been given the gift of living water freely and without condition. This living water wells up in us and overflows in surprising ways and in unexpected places. In Italy, where citizens are isolated in their homes, facing uncertainty, God's love is welling up and people are singing. Music springs forth, overflowing into the streets like a rush of living water. Life and hope are overflowing. How can we experience these gifts of life and hope this week? No matter what we face in our wilderness, remember God's gift of living water, a gift that gives us eternal life, here and now. And remember that God is with us everywhere and always. Amen.